da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Hey, what's going on, everyone out there, listener base, Nam fam, so to speak? Uh, it's Richard here, as you can tell. I'm not normally the first voice you hear uh, when we when we start this show. Kent and Brian are out this week. Um, they're on a couples retreat um, to uh, Thailand um, with other with their significant others. I didn't mean to imply anything there, but uh, they're they're out this week. Uh, as you can imagine, Kent's very busy with with Cowboys related work. And Brian's uh, Chewbacca shelf, um, he found out he was measuring it, and it was one degree off. And, you know, he's a completist. So, obviously couldn't record this week uh, because, of, because of that. But we have something even better for you. Uh, we have David Sunday in the house. David, say hello. Richard, great to be here with you. It, it, is, uh, it is the pleasure is all mine, and, and hopefully will be all the listeners. So, I'm biased because I, I love David to death, and David is in fact my flesh and blood. He's my he's my cousin. Um, we are we are related, and our our bond goes beyond that. We are we are we you know we we are simpatico like you wouldn't believe. And we're gonna have a great show for you here. And I there's no one I trust more than more than David on this. Um, and it only took what six years for me to get you on. So I I came true to my word. Well, I mean, you know, Richard, just honestly, it's just such such a pleasure to meet you here for the first time. And it heard, heard so much. Avid listener of the pod. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I've gone to know you mm-hmm. uh, via your movie kind of commentary here. Yeah. So just, I mean, you know, when, when you say that we're brothers, you know, we are in that. <laughs> Yeah, I've listened to every one of your pods and written you 700 fan mail letters. I know. You, I, um, I'm embarrassed still, when you confuse still me. Still awaiting a response. No, and Just I will. I will. I'm confused. You're. I'm worried. You're confusing me with Tim Ferriss. But um, same thing, really. Um, well, equally yeah. yoked. Right. <laughs> so I'm just gonna put a word of warning out here. David and I are 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 like I said, we're family. We we have the same sense of humor, same sensibility on things. We're gonna talk about Dick Cheney and the movie Vice. Um, you know, if you're not a Richard fan, if you are a Kent and Brian stan all the way, probably not the episode for you. If you do enjoy my sensibility. Get ready for it doubled because uh, we're going to go back and forth on quite a few things. But uh, David, welcome to the show, and uh, let's just let's just get into let's get into Vice and all things surrounding. But first, before we get into the movie, I wanted to ask you a little bit. So you and I are both uh, history nerds and political nerds, big time, right? We have. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Richard. I was just I was uh, topping off my Grenache just in advance of the episode. <laughs> yeah, <so>. David. <laughs> David is live from from Santa Monica. You're actually you're are you at your commune right now? Or are you right on the pier, or what's your what's your situation? Are you with Paul? Well, you know, was with Paul catching Pokemon on the pier, but uh, settled in here with a nice a nice Grenache. Um, you know, right here in Santa Monica, I got uh, a bowl of whole, whole grain oatmeal. So. I, I'm really, I feel just, I feel wealthy in spirit. So you're ready so to, let's, <laughs> yeah. let, let's dig it. Let's dig in here. Let's dig in. And if you could turn down the NPR in the background, I'd appreciate it. It's distracting, but, uh, we, we have, uh, we have a lot to talk about. So Dave and I are history nerds and political nerds, and we have this thing we call the Richard and David reading list. And, uh, we send books back and forth to each other. It's like a two person book club and we go really dark into, <laughs> uh abscesses of american history and politics and and economics 
and business and all all things in between. We have really similar taste on it. And one of the books we read this year, and then we both reread it uh, for this movie, is Angler. And Angler is a is a history of the Cheney vice presidency. So it's a little bit different from this movie in that this movie really focuses on the rise of Dick Cheney as well as it's his you know prominence in, as the vice president. Uh, whereas the, the book Angler, which we I think you would also recommend, is is just a focus, a micro focus on his on his vice presidency. So Dick Cheney is a really fascinating feature. Uh, pardon me, fascinating character. And hey, just go ahead and hold all your emails for us. Whether you think we're not hard enough on Dick Cheney or you think we're too hard on Dick Cheney, or you're saying save politics, it's a political movie <laughs> with political content. So we're going to get political here. We're going to discuss it. We are respectful of both sides. But it's impossible to talk about someone like Dick Cheney without discussing their politics and what those mean, uh, both in their moment and historically. So uh, Cheney's a really captivating person. And, and Dave and I have been kind of texting back and forth about it for the last uh, few days about w- what makes him so interesting, what makes him such a unique character, and, and even more so than, say, George W. Bush, the president in which he served under. What makes Cheney to you, David, more interesting than even a lot of presidents? You know, what I think of Cheney, and, and, and the movie did, I think, really, you know, give this a good swing um, and, and tried to work this in, but Cheney is the consummate operator. He's he's a details guy. Um, and I think more than anything, he's a, he's a system guy. He understands... The bow, the dark bowels of the U.S. government may be better than um, than anybody. I mean, I you know you kind of think in that on that bench of similar players might be a you know a Mitch McConnell in the Senate, you know, and a kind of very well known for understanding just the the procedural minutia at a level that's you know unprecedented. And I think in the same way, um, and maybe you know in, a, in an even broader um, kind of you know example set of of experience he just understands how to manipulate the bureaucracy to get what he wants done and so you know left right wherever you are hard to argue with that as a um you know i'd say fairly well documented profile of him at this point definitely and and the movie does an excellent job of that now the movie does have flaws in it as well which we'll get to um in a bit but just on that operator piece, the great tragic irony of, of Cheney is as a systems person, as someone who's in charge of foreign policy, as a, someone who's in charge of energy and Middle East relations within the Bush administration, um, he kind of, you know, yeah, whiffs is a hard thing because it's not the most obvious thing in the world. But his big gaping flaw is they miss any warnings on on 9-11. And so that's someone like if you were going to have anyone catch that, you would probably have picked Dick Cheney either out of paranoia or, as you said, a, a master of bureaucracy or systems, a master of intelligence in a way. Um, so the, the grand irony is, 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 and I'm not putting it at his feet in any way. I'm just saying that is, it is something that, that occurred. So, so the movie doesn't really touch on that as much in terms of uh, this is someone who, who, who has mastered the system. Um, and, and the movie sort of paints it as someone who in, is Shakespearean in their quest for pure power. Power as a means to an end, power over everything, power over any real set of beliefs. But I think you and I agree on, we couldn't disagree with that. I think Cheney had a, has and had a real set of beliefs that I don't think the movie, I think the movie's kind of wimps out on that and doesn't really touch on that because it doesn't want to offend. But he's a true believer in a lot of ways of, of uh, modern conservatism in terms of supply-side economics and 
you know, the, the will of the West over the, the Middle East and, and so forth. So, you know, the movie fails well, a little bit on that, but what do you think on that in terms of outside of the movie, you know, Cheney as a figure? Well, you know, Rich, I think, uh, and you know, I've said this too many times, it's to understand and appreciate Dick Cheney, you have to be willing to do what he would do, which is, you know, put on the waiters, get in the stream and, and dig into the details. If you don't mind me, um, kind of, you know, using that, I'd yeah. say extremely overplayed, <laughs> um, you know, metaphor of him yeah. loving you know, fishing. Did you know and he's I a did. fly fisherman, David? I don't know if you were aware he's a fly fisherman. He's from Wyoming. Well, he, he's from Wyoming, right? <laughs> which I think, you know, let's just start there. Uh, but you know, all kidding aside, I think he's not, um, it's easy to character. I think it's it's easy and it's lazy to characterize Dick Cheney. This kind of, um, and and perhaps even a younger version of myself did this as this kind of shadowy, dark, evil figure. And you know, you can argue whether or not the what he did was. We we can have a whole separate conversation about what the outcome of what he did was, but uh, and how bad it is. But when you when you look at the guy himself. Um, you can't be lazy in your characterization of him. This is a complicated guy who um, he doesn't do things for no reason. And his motivations are way more complicated, than just money and riches and power. It's, it's not, you know, it's not that simple. Um, and I think the temptation in almost any, um, you know, media or other coverage of him that I've seen, and, and this movie to some extent is included, is just to kind of paint him as this, you know, this, this monster, I guess, this kind of simplistic monster that's very yeah. motivated in, in one direction for one thing. And, and which he leans into, by the way, with the, like, he kind of leaned into the Darth Vader thing just because, you know, that, that simple vice I mean, thing, right? Yeah, you would hilarious. too. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> if someone was like, this guy's Darth Vader, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, why not? You know, may as well. You're not going to come back from it, so you may as well just embrace it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? But, uh, and again, I don't want to say that in any sense, um, I, I think you'll hear us probably talk a lot about it on this podcast, you know, the Cheney as a character and his motivations and then the outputs of what Cheney did. And I, I don't think you'd ever hear me, um, you know, here in Santa Monica say that I would agree <laughs> with anything that Cheney did or right. or, you know, and even more so, I, I don't even I don't think a lot of what he did was ethical. Sure. But I think the point I think the point you're asking me is like. You know, does I, I think one issue I have is Cheney's a complicated person and he does a lot of kind of, in my view, unethical, crazy things, but he doesn't do them for these simple kind of, mm -hmm. you know, id reasons of sure. just money and power. This is a complicated, true believer who, and you kind of hit on this earlier, you know, the ultimate irony of Cheney is for a guy who knows the US government so well, you know, holy smokes, how did he mess up mm -hmm. understanding any other complex system in the world? Sure. Um, and I think I think that's really the, the story I think about when I think of Cheney. Right, and we're going to get into how the movie relates to that, but we wanted to kind of paint this picture at the beginning as well to, for, for context, because the, the other Cheney piece, in terms of, you know, I think the simple thing is like, it was, we talk about, like kind of the deadhead 1960s uh, liberal posture is like, man, he just went over there to like make money for Halliburton, man. And that's just not the case. And he's a really interesting figure. And the movie kind of lets you down on this, but he goes from someone who's, I mean, you know, it touches on this personally, someone who's in the drunk tank to who's the youngest chief of staff in history. What an intellect that takes. I mean, whether you agree with the ethics, um, but 
what an intellect that takes. But then also um, someone who really changed from a fiscal responsibility conservative, what we recognize as a conservative pre-Reagan, to someone who's a supply side person who believes in trickle down and all those things. Um, and yeah, kind of flips. No doubt, no doubt in my mind, the Cheney of... 1970 is at least somewhat horrified with Cheney of mm-hmm. 20, you know, 2015. Right. And I think no the, doubt. and I think his narrative on that is nine 11 changed me. And I'm no, you know, we we didn't go through that on that level. I mean, we lived through nine 11, but I mean, we didn't go through it on the level of a, of a leader of a, of a free world of the free world. One of the leaders of the free world. There we go. I got the portal in the right place there. Um, that was a very Cheney mistake. I know. I'm. I'll just hang up and let you take over from here. Uh, so, am 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 I the free leader of the world? Or <laughs> yeah, not? Right. And we're going to talk about that in a second. That's my next question for you: is the the Addington uh, Joe piece. But um, did so, I mention Richard that mm-hmm. you know Christian Bale? You know, I don't know if I. You know, I'm I'm in Los Angeles. Possible mm-hmm. that he's within a hundred yards of this podcast. I'm not saying that it's true. He but... is a Santa Monica guy, right? So he could be. He's he's zip code of you right now. So he could hear you. Might be Christian Bale in character. We don't know. It's it's all possible, and I think we all know how accurate Celebrity Net Worth is. <laughs> According to, I'm not saying this. Celebrity Net Worth is saying which that is yeah. You can't argue with it. The only thing more accurate is argue. Wikipedia. Yeah. Only thing, and yeah, yeah. I'm I'm basically I confess it's actually me Christian Bale in character. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I get it. No, I get it. Yeah. Um All right. Go ahead. No, that was great. Oh, okay. No, I want to want to touch on that on one other thing because the interesting thing with Cheney is in the the power of the vice presidency and the, the what this movie dances around but doesn't get into the nitty-gritty on and I understand why it's a narrative film. Um is the way he went about getting his power, meaning he 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 had these sort of team of this team of constitutional attorneys, you know, Addington and and uh, is it it's Cho, right? I always think I have that wrong, but I'm always I might just be self or is it Wu? it's Wu? It's, it's you, you, you. Pardon you. me, gosh. Okay, yeah, John pardon, you. John Berkeley you. guy. Ber- yeah, I always get the Berkeley part right. I get the pardon me. Um, you is uh the uh you know these these brilliant technically brilliant attorneys who just sort of skirt the law in some ways. And this isn't a conservative or liberal point. I'm saying they, you know, use the, they sort of frame the executive in a certain way and used constitutional legal language to give Cheney and, and uh, also Bush vis-a-vis through Cheney uh, a certain power just because they wrote it. I think that's really interesting, right? That wasn't passed by anything. Um, you have you have some thoughts on that, so I'll let you. You can speak to it better than I can. I well, I you know I think it I, I think it comes down to a couple things, and you know again, just thinking about it tactically, Cheney recognized that this kind of very you know obscure office called the office OLC Office of Legal Counsel, in you know some random interpretation of one paper, um, you know allegedly has the ability to kind of unilaterally set how the uh, executive branch interprets the law. And so classic Cheney under, understands that that exists, hires, you know, Addington, who we can, we can go into later about his kind of profile, but leverages um, the OLC to basically just decide how the constitution should be interpreted. And I am 
definitely not a scholar of constitutional law and you know not someone who spends a lot of time thinking about what but you, you know, the document you do use, carry your, think, you do carry your Cato Institute constitution with you at all times well, I, in your I, breast I, pocket I, I mean I'm American so like I know you don't um I here's my issue with it um and I'll be bold enough to say I have an issue with it is you know and you see this time and time again in any sort of scheme to exert unilateral power for something that people know, you know, probably wouldn't pass the popularity sniff test if you put it to a vote is, you know, I, I fail to understand how two guys sitting in a room writing 80 page legal memos that, by the way, aren't even peer reviewed um, to just interpret the law kind of at their own will. I don't understand how anyone can step back and be like, yeah, I reasonably think this is how the constitutional <laughs> should right. be interpreted. Right. Now, I guess that if you're a cynic, you say, well, obviously, it's just, you know, CYA, right? He wants to make mm-hmm. sure that when he's prosecuted 10 years later for whatever it is, oh, well, you know, the president's counsel via the OLC you know, wrote this legal opinion. I just... It almost just defies logic to me. Sure. It's like you're you're a smart guy, and you just you find it acceptable to take unbelievable liberties to you know spend the country's resources to send people to war to make decisions about how those people behave abroad to you know con- decide the country's conduct based on a 36 year old <laughs> lawyer from Berkeley sitting in a room in the basement of the White House, writing a 95-page essay that right. no one else ever sees. I have a Google Doc I need to show you later, by the way. Um, well, I, I'd <laughs> love to see it. But I guess it, and, you know, I guess call me naive for thinking that sure. politicians don't, you know, think that that's enough. But I just, it, you know, I think it really speaks more to kind of Cheney's mindset of mm-hmm. getting things done is above all other priorities. And mm-hmm. even even if that requires, you know, these kind of, these tactics that almost acknowledge how ridiculous the objectives are, if that makes sense. And, no, totally. And the crucial question with Cheney is, and it's not answerable, is was that done out of a real fear and patriotism in the midst of a war? Or is that done in a cynical way to take advantage of that war? And it's, you know, you can you can have your opinions on either side, and one might be more likely than the other, but neither are provable, Right. Um, right. The outcomes are always the same. And we'll, I'm sure we'll say this 15 more times tonight. Mm-hmm. The outcomes are the same. We can debate the outcomes, the more and whether or not they're good or bad, obviously, in my opinion. But the more interesting question is, did Cheney arrive there out of true belief mm-hmm. or did he arrive there out of true cynicism? And, you know, the even more interesting question is, which one is which one is scary? You know? <laughs> sure. And I this... mean, in my opinion. No, and now to get into the movie, the the movie dances around that, and the the weakest parts of the movie, which, which is a movie that um, has some great performances, is certainly an interesting subject matter, is certainly um, a, a a fine screenplay and an interesting a lot of great scenes, but it's a movie that really skates around that, right? It it well, it has. Well, Go ahead. Let me. I, I think you're gonna love this. I mean, I actually haven't told you about this yet. I'm excited. Um even though, you know, we've texted 900 times today. So, um, read, recently read a, I, I actually don't know if this is like an official review or just like a fan review, but it was published in the Boston Globe. And I thought it really, it really struck a chord with me. Okay. 
that characterizing this movie as a dramatic reenactment of the body of Dick Cheney's Wikipedia page. Yes. Spliced yes. with a, the appropriate funny gifts at the right time, which I just thought, <laughs> I mean, I can't, I, I'm not even going to try to say it better because I think that's just so yeah. accurate. Um, but yeah, I, I think the movie, frankly, I, I, I enjoyed watching it, um, but I think it, it danced around the complexities mm-hmm. of who Cheney is and it took a lot of shortcuts that I think would have, you know, if they'd been addressed properly would have made the movie a lot better, but you know, maybe too close to a documentary. Exactly. And it's like, it's the thing of, you know, maybe these things are unaddressable because he himself is so unknowable and the answer to these questions therefore are so unknowable, but then it's, why are we making the movie? <laughs> you know, well, I think a better question is like, is Dick, is it even an appropriate treatment of Dick Cheney? and who he is and Mm -hmm. the questions we're asking to even try to do this cutesy let's you know let's make he's not a he is not this is the whole point i think this is not someone who can be the protagonist of a dramatic film Mm -hmm. at the end of his whole life was built against being that exactly certainly had the intellect for it but i mean look at everything he did with maybe the exception of being a ceo is always in a in a supporting role it's and it's never dramatic. It's mm-hmm. calculated towards an objective. Mm-hmm. And, um, and 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 I, and I guess you know, shout out to McKay because I guess hard to make that exciting for people and you know approachable and stuff. But from my perspective, Cheney is a he's a fundamentally dry person. There's mm-hmm. not, yeah, yeah. And unless you could find some sort of, and I think they did in terms of performance. I think Bale was excellent in the role, and you find some. If this was a fictional character, it's it's a great it's a great encapsulation of it. But when you know these other things, and there's this kind of conflicting view of this person, because the the movie's thesis is basically, eh, he wanted a lot of power. He's kind of a bad guy, and uh, he's manipulated a little bit by his wife. But boy, was he smart! And uh, you know, he is. You know, that's it. <laughs> and uh, and I don't know if that's that's certainly not the whole story. I don't even know if that's ten percent of the story, but as a movie, there's parts that really work. It's certainly a piece of entertainment, but there's, there's something about when you, when you watch, when you watch big short, which is equally something probably as dry to some people. McKay was able to make that not only pop, um, you know, in terms of theatrical entertainment, a movie that's really fun to watch, has some great performances. It's great script. It's funny. It's interesting. And it's about the freaking mortgage crisis. And, and by the way, it's exceptionally explanatory. Um, but it, it it just works on every level. This doesn't succeed in that portion because maybe this isn't as explainable. At the end of the day, as dry as the mortgage crisis may be, it's numbers. You know, there's there's an actual math to it. There's an actual arc to it. You can tell that story logically. Janie kind of just defies that in that so much of it is internal and there's not metrics on a lot of who he is and what he is and what he represents that it's sort of impossible to do. And again. You want to say, "Oh, well, that's not McKay's fault," but then you go, "Well, why does this exi- why does this piece of art exist?" Then, if you can't do it, then then why didn't you just make a movie about, you know, I don't know. There's there's got to be you know McKay's a brilliant guy. There's got to be something he could have that could have maybe even still been political and still made the same stance that he wants to make as a you know classic Hollywood Hollywood liberal just like you, you know, with your with your <laughs> wearing your Allbirds feet up on your hemp desk. 
Um, there are things he could have done with more of that, but this just doesn't seem as like it's a, it's a total hit, and it it stinks because it wastes um, a lot of of greatness in this film. There are some really great parts to it. Well, one thing I will say is any excuse for Christian Bale to gain and lose eighty pounds it, that that's a movie worth making. I know. Well, you know when he makes the the when he transitions between Javid and David and he, when he figures out how to order the cookie tote in your life story, that's going to be is the this, one. Is this where McDonald's wanted us to put the ad? Or do, I <laughs> yeah, you, do you, do you have the ad ready for the cookie tote? For those of you. I've got the ad ready. All right, great. Let's hear it. Let's hear that tote. No, we'll, we'll tee it up. <laughs> so, uh, David is legendary, um, for, so David and I see each other. David lives, like we mentioned, in Los Angeles. I live here in Dallas, Texas, and we visit each other. He he visits me more than, than I visit him, but he travels for work more than I do. But we see each other a lot, and David, is is his classic move is to sneak away for a minute. And for those of you who don't know, um, on Uber Eats, McDonald's will deliver you a, um, a what's called a cookie tote, which is a <laughs> literally basically a Happy Meal box kind of tote bag full of 13 fresh baked chocolate chip cookies and it's like 3.99 they deliver it and David likes to make these appear at the most random times throughout an evening the best First one ever all, it's hilarious it is it's your best Second bit of all you're not going to you're not going to lose any friends when 13 freshly baked doughy soft McDonald's cookies arrive that's absolutely true that's how to win a room over and you and just so you know, you cannot go to McDonald's and order this. I believe it's an Uber Eats exclusive item. But I remember we were in Santa Monica. I had no idea where we were. I had landed that day, and we we went to uh, an establishment for uh, beverages, and we had a few beverages, and uh, we had Ubered there because we had been somewhere else. And you ordered and you told me it was like one a.m. You said I'm going to get an Uber home, and I said great. And we stood outside the place, and the Uber pulled up, and I started to get in the car, and the guy goes, no, no. And he just hands me a bag full of McDonald's, and I open it up, and there was a cookie tote inside, and then you told me that we were three blocks from your house, and we just had to <laughs> eat this. That's the greatest toting of all time. That's the legendary toter. Well, they're great. They're great endurance food, and they're portable. And the, those, were the, <laughs> those were the two things here in the script that... McDonald's wanted us to Absolutely. highlight. So. so head to, head over to Uber Eats uh, slash MAM. And, uh, you know, for the normally the cost of $3.99 for a cookie tote, you can get uh, you can get a cookie tote uh, for $3.99 using our promo code. Anyway. Uh, do the math, folks. It's 13 cookies for $3.99. <laughs> delivered, by the way. That's the best I don't part. Th- I actually don't think you can beat it on Slice and Bake. I've tried. I've done the math. <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's possible. Well, people, what people don't factor in is the electric bill, you know, or God forbid, you have a gas stove, you know, you know, then then you're you're looking at fourteen dollars to cook those cookies. It's better just to hit the button on Uber Eats. You could be at a park. Let's just say you're with your lady and you've got a picnic set up, maybe a little wine, a little iced tea, you know, uh, you're, you're you're you've got some little crackers and cheese, and you're like, I could use a little sweet tea or a little sweet uh, sweet. Uh, flavor right now two buttons on your phone cookie tote arrives at the park i mean what's better than that and 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 that's definitely going to get you a second date so that's that's free advice from us here at mad about movies but back back to the film so you were talking about the the more interesting one i think because i think there's more evidence on this person so 
we're talking about that kind of reality distortion field, and I hate that term because it's so overused with with Steve Jobs and all that is. But Cheney is the ultimate well, creator of that. Go ahead, Rich. Before, so I know I know where you're going. I love okay. it. Before you get there, just closing out our last thought, kind sure. of on the you know the the potential laziness of the film. To me, the the worst offense the film uh, committed, which I think so many films about this administration do is that somehow George Bush was not complicit in creating the powerful position that Cheney had in his administration, that, mm-hmm. that he was hoodwinked, that he's this idiot. I, you know, I just, nothing drives me more crazy. And I'm not necessarily a Bush fan. I just, it's such an overplayed mm. kind of lazy narrative in my mind. I, I honestly, I think George Bush knew exactly what he, he knew exactly what he wanted. He yeah. wanted a COO of the government. He wanted to, you know, pick two, three projects that were really passion, you know, passion projects for him. He wanted to be the face of the nation. But this is a guy with an MBA. He doesn't want to be 18 floors underground with John Yu writing a <laughs> you know, legal opinion about. I mean, it's, I, you know, we're laughing, but no, I, you know, I, just, and I just think it's so it's such an easy narrative to fall into. And I get it. You know, I don't like the Manchurian candidate it's just it, it's it's easy it's the to southern use. thing he's got a twang so he's got to be dumb right. or something oh, he must be dumb right you know i'm not saying w is the sharpest tool in the shed but i think he knew exactly what he wanted he knew that he needed experience during this campaign and to think that cheney somehow just like you know got a fast one on him and started controlling 95 percent of the government that that's just that's absurd to me. Yeah. You know, do I think that Cheney knew once in the administration, do I think that he is a good politician and knows how to control the narrative to get what he wants done? Of course. I guarantee you that happened in the Obama administration. It happened mm-hmm. in the Clinton administration. I mean, the president is deluged with so much information. The person who can control the most obviously wins. It's It's not rocket science, but I just thought, you know, that was disappointing to me. It was. And that performance, I think Rockwell's really bad. It's, I, I, his W was, um, look, they don't have to, you don't have to do a spot on impersonation, but man, that made, that made Josh Brolin look dead on it. Didn't, didn't you think that? I mean, he's, and he's like so little, I just didn't think any of it worked for me. That, that interpretation of, of George W. Bush. And no, you, you, that's, that's also interesting because the, that whole Manchurian candidate thing is it's been done a million times. It's lazy. It's boring, but yeah, it's not unlike a, a million. Things. And by the way, not even necessarily the wrong decision as someone with an MBA background to say, I need an operator in this role. Um, it's nor, you know, it's not even like a dirty secret. That's a really normal thing to decide to decide as you mentioned. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like, I've never worked in Washington. I I've only run a state. Yeah. You know, maybe I should hire conservative. Yeah. Anyway, the the other piece, the other piece of that is is the Rumsfeld part. So that's that's a more interesting character, and I'll probably a more interesting protagonist of a film, because you have you have Carell, who's who's a great actor as Rumsfeld, but Rumsfeld's a really interesting person because he has that true facade of this kind of oh gosh golly, oh shucks guy. But as Carell has mentioned on the press tour for this movie, all you need to know about Rumsfeld is you know, Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger were like, that's the guy you need to look out for because that guy can get what he wants. 
and he's he you know he'll stop at nothing to get there. That's maybe more of an interesting. I would almost be more interested in a Donald Rumsfeld movie with Cheney as a side character than this. Well, I mean, I, I believe there's already been you made about Donald Rumsfeld called The Dark Knight. <laughs> what also, ca- also featuring Christian Bale. Oh, in case I didn't. I didn't know. I've never heard of that film, and uh, and certainly have not sent you the "Here We Go" gif every time one of us lands in each other's city. I honestly, I feel honestly, I feel dirty and guilty for calling it. That was just such a, a cop out joke. I just it was easy, <laughs> it was easy to make. Yeah, you know, I could have done. Uh, I could have really chosen any Batman movie and made Rumsfeld the the uh, antagonist, and you know, probably gotten between three and six struggles from your audience, but I apologize. I just want to come clean. I was lazy, and I'm sorry. You know what? Um, we don't accept your apology, and and you will be... I'm going to send you all the crappy emails that we get that are not about R. Kelly. We'll send you the, the non-R. Kelly-related emails. Um, so so last piece here, there's this, there's this piece that, that Cheney creates like we talked about with the with the legal papers this this distortion field that he creates this uh through kind of sheer act of will and you see this over and over again and it and not only you see it all the way back through freaking epic of gilgamesh through history of this this hubris um getting in the way of in kind of overreaching and you know bending everyone else to to their will and you see it in in the political world with with Cheney kind of overreaching with the Iraq war um kind of coming back and at least tarnishing his legacy in in a lot of ways um and you see it in the business world where people you know see it all the time in the business world where people overreach and overreach and kind of back themselves into this corner where they didn't have to be there in the first place um do you think that's something that's just destined to go throughout history or you think that's unique to Cheney what do you think what do you think his if he has a fatal flaw what is that fatal flaw? Is it just, is it that hubris, or is it just that that drive of of will is just so overpowering that even he can't stop it? No, so I'll, I'll break that down into this phenomenal question. First of all, um, and this is so core to the movie, I think, and and to Cheney. I mean, I think you can break it down into a couple pieces first, and we've sort of alluded to this, but you know, when you think about the Iraq War. I, I feel like, and this is what makes me think Cheney is is really a true believer in kind of the neocon thing versus the the evil guy who was trying to get you know paid on the backside by Halberdy. You know, this is a guy who, despite taking so much time to consume so many facts about things going on in the U.S., you know, number one created this weird paranoia about another terrorist attack happening. Which, again, if you read Angler, you know, there's five, six other accounts of just these absolutely absurd fire drills that, that the government's forced to go through because of completely unsubstantiated threats. And you learn more about, you know, how Iraq was connected to al-Qaeda. And I think anyone with, you know, really an kind of elementary understanding of maybe the last 50, 60, 70 years of kind of Middle East history, not even policy, just History, you know, kind of an understanding of how the different um, parts of the Middle East have, have interacted would know kind of off the face of it that Al-Qaeda 
and Saddam Hussein were probably not working together, even if there was some completely unsubstantiated evidence. And so mm-hmm. part one of your question, you know, what do I think is fatal flaws? I think how, how do you separate your, you know, your kind of uh, creation of what this fact pattern means versus what the fact pattern actually means? And, you know, how do you separate your... And he's someone who has an unbelievably strong view of how the world should be. And clearly he thought the world should be one way and he found the facts to support him, to support his viewpoint. And he did so, I think, at the peril of any sort of logic. Um, and, you know, you can argue I wasn't there, whatever, it's hysteria, fine, guilty. But if you look back at it, uh, hindsight being twenty twenty, he tied together a lot of facts that didn't make a lot of sense. I think the second part of your question is now, what kind of weird and fraudulent manipulations do you start to commit to get people to believe your irrational view of the world? And um, you know, you see this in Bad Blood too, which is a, a book on our on our um, bro, you know, white bros. We should we should, <laughs> we, should. Uh, we should pump that up, I guess. But it, you see it anywhere where there's a view of the world that's irrational, um, and you know, and you're making the Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, again, I know it's so cliche, had a lot of irrational views, but backed it up with execution. I think the common here, common theme between between Bad Blood and Cheney is there are no facts that back up this view of the world. And so to get people to buy into it, they either have to leverage them by mm. threatening them, which Cheney did many, many times, um, or they have to create false um validation which Cheney also did by writing these absurd legal opinions and you know lining up people and said well you believe it you believe it. who is it so why do you, why don't you believe it? um and i think you know Cheney's fatal flaw maybe is just getting so wrapped up in the execution of that vision and you know being unable to step back and see yeah what was really going on i'm not saying he's a, i don't think he's a dumb guy i don't think uh, I guess I'm getting him to be this kind of naive character. I don't think that's the case at all. I just think this is a guy whose greatest paranoias were validated by something that happened one time. And that, I think, in his mind, gave him license to do all these other things that now, looking back, really made... They weren't, they weren't logical and they didn't make any sense. But he's so effective at getting it done um, that he didn't. Yeah, I think a lot of us can relate to that in our work life, our personal life, where you, you maybe you get you have this true belief, and whether that comes from quote unquote your gut or your some set of principles or whatever, and then you're kind of in too deep, and you can choose to do one thing: the the humility of oh my gosh, I was wrong. I'm hey, I was right on these ninety nine things, but I was wrong on this one. Let's back up and get out of here. Or you go, no, I was right on these one hundred things. Darn it, and and I'm gonna you know I'm going to work triple as hard and just flood you with paper um, until you believe that I'm right as well. And then, you know, that's all kind of humorous until lives are at stake and, and the world's at stake. And, and, and then sadly, you know, Cheney, who's someone who's, who's brilliant in a lot of ways, legacy is, is, is undoubtedly tarnished. And, and uh, I think as history goes on, because, you know, the buck stops here, pun intended, uh, uh, politically, but 
you know, George W. Bush gets a pass on some things because yeah, people just assign all the, yeah, people. Because yeah. he, he had, he had Bane working for him. And <laughs> I just think that's absurd. If you don't think that. Right. That GW is right there, leaving all those things, approving all those opinions and equally complicit. Right. With any decision made in that administration, I think you're absurd. And, you know, now GW can get on Kimmel and show his paintings of wounded veterans. And it's kind of like, wow, well, that's, I mean, yeah. That's, that's pretty bleak. I don't know. I just, it's a little bit dark. It is. It is in a lot of ways. And it's, it's, uh, a lot of that's Cheney's own doing and George W. Bush's own doing. And, and back to the film, really oversimplistic, dumb liberal. <laughs> uh, media as well is doing as well because that's that's the picture they paint here. This movie doesn't take any risk. It's just like a very, um, it's it's cynical in some of the right places. It's smart in some of the right places, but it's also really uh, lazy in all the wrong places. And that's the that's a disappointment to me. And it's it's smug and it's laziness. So just as a as a as a film taking away the historical relevancy. It's not fun to watch because in a lot of places because it's so smug in some decisions it makes and then so lazy in in, in other ones as well. So that's a bummer for me because it was really high on my list of things I was excited for, not just because of the subject matter, but I think Adam McKay is one of the most interesting filmmakers going right now. Um, obviously, I love Big Short, but I love his comedies as well. Uh, and and uh, the reason we bring up Bad Blood, which David mentioned a minute ago, that apparently is his next movie, which is about Elizabeth Holmes and and Theranos, and maybe, like I was saying, because there's more um, uh, sort of uh, known quantity with that story, this is maybe something he can add his little flair to and, and make more interesting. But something as ambiguous as Cheney, and look, how you feel about him politically may not be ambiguous, but his motivation will always be, because he's so guarded. Um, then yeah, it's funny. I think for for someone who's just so poor, I, I mean, I have a visceral reaction when you hear that name, and, and mm-hmm. it's just yeah, yeah. It, it's funny because it, the reaction to him is still one or zero, and yet the person itself is is a is a pretty complicated mm-hmm. thing. I think where you're you know where you're getting at is I I wouldn't argue the same thing at all with that blood story. Yeah. No, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, just for the the love scenes alone, I think you're excited for those with bad blood, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, one really important theatrical you know device that I think he he's lost over here is the. I and I don't even know if this is intentional, but you know, any good kind of biographical movie that W starts with him drunk driving and you know ending up the way he was and. It's kind of interesting. Cheney starts as, as this roughneck mm-hmm. the same way. I, I don't know if this was intentional, but it's like, here's a guy who started out the same way W did, basically being a disgrace to his family. And through the complete opposite path, ends up in the same place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was... Yeah. I don't uh, know if that was intentional, but thought it was interesting. No, that's actually... I had not thought about that. That's a really, really interesting point. I went, yeah, that has to be intentional too. But yeah, these these... These uh, yeah, two two simultaneous paths in other directions, one through, and I don't mean this negatively because I think politics on a certain level is of course this. I don't I don't mean to make George W. any lesser than other politicians, but W. really did it through kind of a showmanship, you know, buying a baseball team, making myself a, a public. It was a public relations rise to the top, and that's not any less. It's just that's how you know. Uh, 
think of someone on the opposite end of the spectrum. Barack Obama was in a lot of ways a public relations creation in in his rise to the top as well. Um, so by all accounts, someone who just compared to you way more excited to dig into the feet of things. And yes. I think it's a good lesson. The lesson I take away from this is, you know, and, I, and I'm not always good at this is just, you know, you can't, it's so easy to get by today with not having to appreciate the nuance. And, mm-hmm. uh, Wikipedia but, culture, man. And that Wikipedia. the movie ironically disproves its thesis, right? <laughs> because it's, can we just, you know, speaking of theatrical rises though, can we just talk about, Tall. I, what what was going? Oh, tall is, and I, I'd love to hear Tall's opinion about this. But <laughs> if we could get just the Richard Barton assessment of maybe the weirdest bedroom scene I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Well, what can we just talk about that? I mean, what was good? Was that? Yeah. How did we? How did we go from <laughs> Hal Burton's CEO to weird Shakespearean poetry to just something that made me so uncomfortable? And I won't spoil it for the people who haven't seen the movie out there, but. I mean, I was. Now we're in spoilers. I was sitting. Yeah. I was sitting in the movie theater by myself watching one, this movie with one old lady I, in Minneapolis. Set the stage, man. Paint a picture. I badly wanted to. That was, I was extremely <laughs> uncomfortable in that situation. Well, that I mean, that goes deep. You and I can go deep on genetic and and cultural things that make us always uncomfortable in those sort of moments. But uh, even even in our own bedrooms. Um. But. I've, I mean, I tried. It just it didn't work. It didn't. Wow, was, was, new level for you. Something you couldn't yeah. repress, man. And they said it couldn't be done. <laughs> no, but no, but uh, yeah, that's that's you know that's I think that's McKay just taking swings and doing you know doing stuff. Um, but boy, man, that was. Oh uh, uh, yeah, something I don't you think you can unsee. And everyone, I didn't expect it because everyone was like, what do, you, what do you think Cheney would think of this? And the move was like, ah, I don't think Lynn would like it very much, but I think Dick wouldn't be bothered by it. And then you see that scene, you're like, nah, I think he super would be. <laughs> <laughs> and then just the final point here on, on the makeup, I mean. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Christian Bale down to the gold watch and the weird, you know, veiny hands. I just, unbelievable execution. Yeah, and um, and that combination yeah. of the combination of the real life weight gain and and uh, you know face changing and stuff that Bale does as we've seen him do a million times now is sort of his calling card, which stinks because I I would hate for him to be um, he's such a god he's good man and I hate that he's kind of in this gimmick of persons like oh he was the machinist and then he was Batman and then he was the fighter and you know there's someone that just goes up and down uh with their weight because cuz I I Vincent D'Onofrio went through that a lot in the 80s and 90s and and they're both such good actors Bale even also being a movie star to me too I hate that he's gimmicky in that but the combination of his his dedication to this um and I think you know the the one other point I wanted to make in, in Bale's credit, I'm I'm glad Bale is getting for any awards that this wins. I think Bale will get the majority of them. And I think what's great about his performance is, um, you know, the movie takes this really cynical angle at Cheney. Understandably, it comes from an opposing political view. And and then even if you're on Cheney's side of the aisle, he's a hard person to reconcile with just because he's so gruff. Um, and I think the movie takes a really tough angle at him. But I think Bale didn't. I think Bale really played him. Like he was playing, you know, 
a hero. And that, that movie, that performance is, is really open. And I think he really put, I'm sure his, as an, as an actor that lives in Santa Monica, I'm sure his personal politics are not necessarily in line with Dick Cheney's, but I think he really treated that, that character with a lot of love and really brought it. And I'm glad he's getting recognized for it, even if the movie is, is so, so. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he was through the fact that no matter what you say, you know, Cheney, I think he did think he was saving the world. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, but I thought he was. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, can we just talk about the time where the guy falls off the telephone pole and his leg is nine degrees? Yeah, to his to his uh, to his torso, and mm. everyone just walks away. Is that like a a thing that people did in the '60s that I missed, or was that just oh yeah, he broke his leg, so he's dead? Is that <laughs> LSD, man? You know, good that... point. Oh, strong counterpoint. I, I had not considered that. <laughs> yeah, no, that was. That that was there was some weird like you said I that Boston Globe is so dead on I hadn't read that till you till you said that 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 Wikipedia mix with just that will be a gift that will you know that was kind of weird trying to knock you out of your seat moments in this or are weird it's some real some real home run swings but let's go ahead and grade this out and we'll get to a weekly recommend I'll go first um, there's a lot here it's a hard movie to wrangle it's certainly a very high degree of difficulty if not an impossible degree of difficulty. And all things considered, there was a lot of parts I, I did enjoy, um, but a lot of parts I, I really rolled my eyes at. And it's I had the same issue with The Post last year, where it's like, maybe I'm in too deep and I have unreasonable expectations, but but I think I'm reasonable here. I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this a B minus. What about you? Now you've kind of taken my rating from me, so everyone's just going to say, well, if he says B minus, he's yeah. just been... Why do, you think I went, about, why do you think I went first, how, Tote Boy? This guy talks about how lazy the writers of the movie are, and he gets <laughs> on, and he just copies the same grade as the first guy. What yeah, is, super mono of you, dude. Super mono. What's wrong with this guy? I don't know. But, I mean, you know, for me, it's a B, I think it's a B-. Minus. Yeah. I, and, uh, you know, maybe we're a little bit biased, having read, you know, Red Angler beforehand, because I think it's just that book just does so much better job capturing Cheney, but... Uh, yeah, for me, it's a B minus. It's it's entertaining, but yeah. certainly not gonna approach you know the kind of realm of the Dark Knight for me, if you will. <laughs> and that's the thing too about someone like Cheney is he's so as you mentioned to start this this conversation off, he's so deep in the woods and so deep deep in the in in things. The only way to really study him and understand him is in a book where you can spend fifteen or you know a fifteen hour documentary or something because then the 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 fascination of Cheney is is in those really granular details and you're never going to get there in a two-hour movie and that's not the fault of the director or the filmmakers or the actors or everyone involved for making it but the, then the question is then why make it that that your initial you know that it's the same as Cheney hey uh all of your execution is is based on this flawed premise in a lot of ways um maybe this film was as well um, and that's disappointing, but everyone involved, I think, you know what, they're going to let Adam McKay make more movies and he'll probably make some more good ones. I think Christian Bale, I believe it or not, they're going to let him make a couple more movies and, uh, and no one is, is worse for wear. And gosh, this is winning golden globes and may even sneak an Oscar or two out in a really weak year. So it's not going to kill anyone's career, but it's, it's disappointing because when you hear Adam McKay and Christian Bale and Amy Adams and Steve Carell and this whole group, um, you, you expect a little more, but. K Sarah Sarah, right? 
I, I, yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, bring you're running out of steam fast. You need to, <laughs> hey, will you quickly order another cookie tote? Maybe get a maybe get a second win. All right, we are I don't gonna. Know how you do this every week? I'm exhausted. It's draining. Imagine having to deal with Kent and Brian. That's that's where it really draws it out of you. Yeah. It really well, it on you. Once you and I get to meet in person for the first time, hopefully you'll feel comfortable introducing both of them to me. Um, neither of those things are ever going to happen, and you bet both of them at my wedding, so I'm glad you remember that. Uh, okay, real quick, we are going to take a quick break, and then we, David and I are going to come back with a weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. All right, we are back in the uh, the bunker. The John, the 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 bunker underneath the White House. We are we are writing um, all kinds of crazy legal documents that uh, are going to transfer full ownership of this podcast over to me and David. Uh, David, you got a weekly recommend for us? Weekly recommend. I'm going to go with the uh, the Lynn Cheney Book Club. That is excellent. And explain what that is. That's uh that's a, a new service. A new, new direct to consumer. Uh, software as a service, very disruptive, super disruptive, um, and it's just sending you one Lynn Chain book every month. Uh, when you've gone through the whole kind of library, it just sends you the first one again. Um, but you probably didn't read it. So. You can give it to a friend and quickly. You can give it to a friend. They're great for uh, the fireplace. <laughs> and this is uh, when you use the exclusive code uh, NAM. This is Lynn dot dot book dot blue dot slash uh-huh. man. Uh-huh. And this is uh, nine ninety nine a month. And nice. it's a four year four year minimum commitment. <laughs> well, you pay up front and you pay yeah. Strong. Uh, it is up front and, and only currently in Well <laughs> makes makes sense. That's that's the new way. Real quickly, um we didn't get to it in the review. You have to talk about. There's a Lynn Cheney book that she wrote. That's like a thriller about the uh, a president, and it's an exact House of Cards stole an entire plotline from her. So you need to give us the 30 second version of that. It's a total outrage, and I I honestly I can't even believe it. But for those people who you know used to watch House of Cards, Crafter uh, number season one, season two, um, Frank Underwood unseats the president by convincing him to take. Uh, a psychoactive drug, or a, I guess, a, an anti-depression or anti-anxiety drug, which then, of course, he leaks to the public, and you know, the rest of his I guess, state history. Little-known fact for those of you who read Angler out there: Lynn Cheney's uh, political drama, featuring none other than her husband under a different name, of course, actually was the first one to have the storyline. So, little-known fact, um, you know, just thought. But I make that part of the public record. There you go. Great rec- recognition by you. Um, but a lot you, of research for this pod, you know? a lot of research, and we should say, speaking of House of Cards, you're you're a big free spacey guy, right? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. I feel like this is important to say for the record. I'm. I'm definitely not. No, dude, uh, you're. You are always texting me like he was framed. This is BS and stuff. You're always sending that to me. All right. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. All right. Um, <laughs> for me, I've got, you know, I've, I'm trying to think of something that's a little more uh, topical on this. You, 
Um, man, my weekly recommend. Normally, Kent stalls for me here, and then I can I can do it. I'm trying to think of a good book on this because I've I've recommended this before. You know what? I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go. If you want to, I know I am. Well, this Ethereum. I'm trying to transfer all my money over to Ethereum from in Robinhood. Um, you know what? I yeah, the aforementioned Angler, which is a book. If you're interested in Cheney, is definitely interesting. And there's another book of a similar type person, um, a really really master operator who's flawed and interesting, and I think more understandable because his paranoia was more um on the surface and uh i think someone it's it's endlessly fascinating and that's that's richard nixon and there's a book called being nixon by the historian evan thomas um that i'm always trying to get david to re- read so uh that's my recommend and I'll, if you're interested in this kind of thing and you've sat through uh, an hour of this then uh then by god maybe uh maybe being nixon is for you it's a really really great history and is is very sympathetic in a lot of ways to nixon it's not some biased uh you know person on uh, you know uh attack on on uh on nixon much like angler is a really well researched uh sort of chronological history of of the uh, cheney vice presidency so david it was such a joy to speak with you i don't hear from you enough um we only talk every seven and a half minutes and uh it's been it's been nice actually getting to have this conversation recorded for posterity and and quite frankly our language was way better with the microphones on so I'm I'm proud of us. Well, I'm I'm just glad you got through the whole pod with that bit about us talking all the time. Very impressive. <laughs> I know what a joke. I'll see you at Thanksgiving. Um, uh, hey, appreciate you having me on here, and you know, apologies for the dip in rating. Hey, dude, you're uh, gonna be. Like we're gonna get that West Coast bump. And uh, last question: You fired up from Kingsbury and Phoenix? Are we gonna go to a game? I, you know, I'm not feeling it. I was so excited to have them here in Los Angeles. I, you know, I bought a fresh pair of Ray Bans. I was ready to to consider entering the Coliseum. I don't know. I'm I'm neutral. I think it was a boring hire, but you know, that's how I feel. Wow. Thought you were yeah. cool, man. Thought you were cool. Ending on, ending on a down. Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, you can catch us next week. We'll be back in it. This is the last movie I think of 2018. We have to cover of the big ones, and then we'll we'll catch up on some stuff too. But we're gonna start 2019 right next week with Kent and Brian back in the fold. Uh, you know, for Kent's sake, I don't know. Do we want to root for the Cowboys, or we, do we want to root against them to get him back on this on the podcast? But go Cowboys, go Kent and uh, Brian. Whatever he's doing, you know, who cares, right? Uh, David, thank you for coming on. The pleasure was ours. Come back again sometime, you know? Maybe we'll have a better microphone next time. You know, we'll be able to connect. It'll be way better. All right, love you, buddy. Have a good one. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your salad.